Welcome into the Dinger Derby Podcast, the podcast for Texas Tech baseball fans. I'm your host, Keith Patrick, and I'm here coming off of a good weekend of baseball here at Dan Law Field at Rip Griffin Park. Maybe not the prettiest, but a weekend full of W's nonetheless as Texas Tech sweeps the Rice Owls in their first visit to Lubbock since 1999. I'll recap that series for you and look ahead to a two-game midweek with Mississippi State on the road at a neutral site in Biloxi, Mississippi. This is Dinger Derby. Welcome to Dinger Derby, the only podcast completely devoted to Texas Tech baseball. Join your host, Keith Patrick, every week for team news, guests, ranking updates, and game reports. From opening weekend all the way through Omaha, we'll be hitting taters with the Red Raiders all season long. This is Dinger Derby. Well, folks... What a weekend of baseball it was as your Red Raiders take down the Rice Owls 7-1 on Friday, 19-12 on Saturday, and then in extra innings on Sunday, 7-6. We're going to run through all three of those games for you, give you a couple of thoughts from them, hand out some awards as well before we look ahead to Mississippi State. It was bound to be an interesting weekend Rice Owls, a former Southwest Conference opponent with the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Rice was a team that had never done anything in the Southwest Conference, had just a few winning seasons under their belt, had never had a postseason appearance until Wayne Graham came to town and took the reins of that program in 1993 and reeled off multiple College World Series appearances all the way up into the 20-teens and won the NCAA championship in 2003. But Wayne Graham, no longer with the Rice Owls, left after the 2018 season, and now they're under new leadership and have not quite found their stride. So they came into the weekend 2-10 and 10 on the season, expected a pretty good domination of the old Owls, but they're still a program that draws some solid recruits, a program with some cachet and some good history in the last 20 years. Rice had not been to Lubbock, Texas to play at Danlaw Field since 1999. They were here for a regional, a regional in a year that Texas Tech had their cap set for their first appearance in Omaha, but they were stopped short by Rice, who came back and won two in a row in the regional championship to run out of Lubbock with a with a regional win and had never looked back. So they're finally back in town. And Clayton Beater gets the start for you on Friday night. And he goes just absolutely nails six innings pitch, six hits, one run. It is not earned. No walks and 12 strikeouts on the evening for Clayton Beater in 92 pitches. And then Micah Dallas comes in with a sub one ERA in relief. And he goes the rest of the way. Three innings pitch, no runs, no hits, one walk and five strikeouts in 39 pitches. Just an impressive pitching performance across the evening. Rob Rowe put up a great gif with Micah Dallas and Clayton Beater's face over Will Farrell and John C. Riley from Step Brothers. It was hilarious, and I love the combo. I don't think you're going to get a name duo like the Duchetter days because Micah Dallas can come in nails for anybody at any time, and I wonder if he may not have the opportunity to break his way back into the starting rotation. But a great night all the way around. We left the ballpark, my friends and I, saying, you know, that really didn't feel good. It didn't feel like a great dominating win. It was just kind of a slow grind up to a win. Tech had the lead and never let it go, but you just didn't feel like you was full domination. And I think part of it, there just wasn't a lot of fireworks. There were no home runs hitting the game, not a lot of drama throughout the game. But it was a good, solid win for the Red Raiders. 
Tech got on the board first. Brian Klein drew a two-out walk in the first, and then Cole Stilwell hammers him home with a RBI double to center field, and Tech takes the one-run lead there. Stilwell's then driven home by Jace Young with an RBI double to left field to the corner, and there's your two-run lead. Tech scores another one in the third. It's a one-out single by Brian Klein to center field. Stilwell gets on base as well to move Klein around, and a sacrifice fly by Jace Young brings Klein home. Tech tacks on another one in the sixth, a leadoff single from Cal Conley. Braxton Fulford follows with a walk, and then it's a Drew Baker single that brings Klein home in an RBI for old Drew. Tech tacks three on in the seventh, a leadoff walk from Cole Stilwell, following walk from Jace Young, and then a two RBI double for Nate Rombach, who then has Cody Masters pinch run for him, and he ultimately is scored on a sacrifice fly by Braxton Fulford for the second out of the inning and your final run of the game. So Tech takes it 7-1. It's 9-6 is the hit differential between the Red Raiders and Rice. No errors on the evening. Red Raiders left eight aboard. Rice left seven. Couldn't walk away with asking a whole lot more. The game was really quick, under two and a half hours, and it was just a nice evening on Friday night at Dan Law Field at Rip Griffin Park. But then Saturday, things got a whole lot different looking. And I'll apologize to you if I sound a little bit hoarse as I record this on Sunday night. It was a couple of games over the last couple of days that required a lot of yelling and a lot of singing as well. I'll explain that in a little bit. But it was a completely different story on Saturday night for the Red Raiders. So Bryce Bonin comes in, gets the start for you at pitcher, but struggles all the way through. He gives off a leadoff double to the third baseman, Braden Cremieux, and then battles his way through the inning, gets a strikeout, gives up another double, this time to left field. There's a ground out to Jace Young. It's a really nice job fielding that ball and a good dig by Stillwell. And Cole Stillwell has been excellent stretching, saving balls, digging them out of the dirt. He's really done a nice job at first because not everything coming his way has been great, really from around the infield, and he's done a nice job dealing with that. The five-hole hitter, the second baseman, Kate Edwards, hits a single to right field. Drew Baker comes up with it quickly, and Trey Cruz, who had hit that double to left, is motoring around trying to make his way home, and Drew Baker guns him down from right field. A beautiful 9-2 put out given to Drew Baker there. Cole Stilwell set up on one knee down the line and deked out the runner, acting as if he was going to take the cutoff. Beautiful job. It was a no-doubter, no review necessary. Drew Baker really showed it off. And then later in the game, had moved around to left field. He didn't have the chance to gun a runner down, but he absolutely blasted a ball in from shallow left field just to get it back into the infield. He's definitely showing the tools, although he does have plenty to learn out there, I think, with some cutoff man stuff and dealing with some angles in the outfield. He's converting really nicely though and still excited with what Drew's going to do as well as continue to hit. Bonin continues to battle but really struggles in the second inning. He gets a couple of strikeouts but ends up giving up four more runs before he checks out of the game in favor of Connor Queen. So Bryce Bonin, your starting pitcher, only goes one and two-thirds, seven hits, six runs, five of them earned, two walks and three Ks in 54 pitches. Not ideal, obviously. Bryce Bonin certainly has better stuff than that. We've seen him battle before and work his way out of it. This is just one of those evenings it wasn't going his way, just didn't seem to have his best stuff, and that'll happen to pitchers. But you certainly look for him to rebound as you have your Big 12 opening series coming up next weekend. And you wonder if there might be a little little rotation shakeup going on here for the Red Raiders. 
So Connor Queen comes in and pitches an inning. Eli Reekman, another inning. Ryan Sublette comes in for three and does the majority of your relief work. John McMillan, one and a third. And Brandon Hendricks, one inning. All of those relievers allow one run. Hendricks allows two. So it was just a night where the Rice Owls were seeing the ball well. They were just slamming it all over the field. And at one point, I looked up and I was very frustrated because you had gone through three and a third and you were hitless still in the game. So at that point, the Owls were out hitting you nine to nothing at that point in the game. The Red Raiders had had some base runners. You'd even scored a run from errors and quite a few walks, but had not been able to get a hit. You didn't get a hit until a triple from Cal Conley in the fourth inning with one out. It was just that kind of night early on for Tech, and then all of a sudden the scorebook flips over, and the Red Raiders turn around and turn – what had been really nothing, a frustrating night at the plate into just an explosion of offense. So Blake Brogdon, the starter for Rice, goes three and two-thirds, one hit, two runs, one earned, six walks, and two Ks. Not a great night, but he held Tech down to only those two runs. But then Christian Cienfuego, his reliever, comes in and in two innings gives up nine runs and five hits to the Red Raiders. He has four walks, no strikeouts. Eight of those runs are earned, as Rice did have a couple of errors on the evening. But ultimately, Tech scratches across 19 runs to beat the Rice Owls 19-12. to And really, it was 19-11, to and there was one run given up late in the final frame at the top of the ninth. I'm not going to run through every single one of those of those scores for you, but it was a really, really nice effort by the Red Raiders. Everybody got in on the action for the most part. Cole Stilwell had a big two RBI double in the fifth. That was a big one to look at. Also, Nate Rombach with a two RBI triple out to center field in the fifth as well. You had multiple extra base hits that went on throughout that game. Jace Young got a double. Cody Masters, who pinched in for Rombach, got a double in the eighth. Cal Conley recorded not only the triple in the fourth that I mentioned, but also an RBI double in the eighth as well. And then you had a home run from Dylan Noisy. That was a solo shot. And this was a line drive, folks, just a line drive home run over the left field wall just to the right of that visiting bullpen. So Tech, with that offensive explosion, looked really good. And when you compare Friday night to Saturday, you know, I said Friday, it wasn't exciting, but you went away with the win and you couldn't complain. And it was a nice, comfortable win. And there was nothing to complain about. Tech hit 300 on the night. They hit 364 with two outs, 357 with runners on, 300 with runners in scoring position, 250 in the leadoff. I mean, just a lot of good-looking offensive statistics. And then you look at Saturday and things get a little wild as the Red Raiders hit 421 on the evening. They hit 467 with two outs, 448 with runners on, 500 with runners in scoring position, 625 in the leadoff. They hit 1,000 with bases loaded. They had three opportunities with bases loaded, and they capitalized on all of them. Tech was just really, really powerful that night and it shows you what they're able to do when they get things rolling and to be honest this is the kind of a game that proves to opponents and proves to these Red Raiders that they're never out of it you know you had a game in Michigan to end your College World Series run in 2019 you were out of it 
the game was over. You just didn't have what you needed to get back in and to battle into it. And now you're looking at a situation. I know it's a different opponent and it's a different situation and you're at home, but you've proven it to yourself that you're never out of it, that you can always get something rolling and that it can snowball for you into this 19 to 12 win. So Red Raiders get out of it with a big W on Saturday. So you're going for the sweep on Sunday. Saturday, also a very important victory, even though he will not admit it. But that was Tim Tadlock's 300th win as the head man of the Red Raiders. And what more could you ask for? Everybody knows that I have a straight up man crush on Tim Tadlock. He's just all you could ask for and more in an old school, hard nosed, West Texas baseball coach. He's a guy guy that we love to hear from. The stories are fantastic. He's dry as can be, great sense of humor, knows and loves baseball, absolutely loves and adores the kids that he coaches, his family, the coaches he works with. When you get to talk to those coaches and you hear the way they talk about him, you know what a great guy he is, and there's no act involved whatsoever. So, so proud of him. Congratulations to number six on the 300 victories as the Red Raiders head man. Recently, he was also inducted in the Grayson Hall of Fame out there for his great work that he did when he was the coach there. So excited for him. And I know those players were excited it, but you got to turn around on Sunday and try to get number 301 and try to get the sweep over the Rice Owls. So then another game that starts with struggles in starting pitching. Austin Becker gets the start, only lasts a third of an inning. He faces a ton of batters, but it ends up being a third of an inning, one hit allowed, but four runs, three of them earned. He has four walks, no strikeouts, only able to get seven strikes in those 27 pitches that he threw. Now, I'm going to give you a caveat. As you sit there, I know you're shaking your head thinking, my gosh, we got to be better than that. What's the Vandy transfer doing? Well, I went out there early. They were giving away commemorative koozies for Clint Bryant, and they'll give away a full set, all four of the retired numbers from Dan Law Field, and I'll be trying to get a whole set for myself. So I went out early to get that one. They moved first pitch up to 11. It was cold, and it was raining. And I don't mean it was spitting mist or anything. By the time that game started, it was full-on raining at Dan Law Field at Rip Griffin Park, and you send Austin Becker up there to deal with a wet ball and try to get some strikes across. And he struggled. He truly did. And so did the pitching for Rice, especially early. So you had a lot of guys that struggled through those conditions. Becker, you know, kind of caught the brunt of it. You give up a four spot at the top of the first. And uh, there was a lot of free passes given in there that were just, they were frustrating. They were difficult. There was a run walked in as well. There was a double given, a two RBI double. But ultimately, as you work your way through eight pitchers on the day, did Texas Tech. Andrew Devine comes in for two and two-thirds. He did a really nice job. Two hits, scoreless baseball, one walk, two Ks. Hunter Dobbins gets an inning in. Not the ideal situation. Tim Tadlock talked about that in the postgame comments. But... Dobbins on track for the day to have his bullpen session. So he comes out and does a 19 pitch inning, a bullpen session, generally somewhere around 30 pitches. So not too bad for Dobbins. John Barrera gets his first appearance since opening weekend. And he did a really nice job, an inning pitched of hitless, scoreless baseball, one walk and one strikeout. Barrera had some nice stuff out there. And I think in opening weekend, you saw him kind of drop his way down deeper in the bullpen, but he gets an opportunity to come out on a Sunday and get a little bit of work in. And Coach Tadlock mentioned that he liked what he saw from Barrera. 
Jacob Rostowski comes in, a guy that you're used to seeing a fair amount of. He struggled a little bit, went one and a third, gave up two hits and one run. It was not earned, one walk and one strikeout, but they were just hitting him pretty well. They were they were seeing him well, and I think it may have been another situation with the weather, and it really went on throughout the day. It probably never got full-on raining the way it did for Becker, but you just had that spitting, ugly weather. The wind would pick up. It was just not a pretty day at the ballpark. John McMillan comes in for two-thirds, hitless, scoreless as well, one walk, one K for him. Kurt Wilson comes in for two full innings and does a really nice job for you. No hits, one run, one walk, and one K. And then Micah Dallas comes in for the final two. Micah Dallas had to scrap and struggle a little bit. It wasn't pure domination for him, but he did a nice job as well in what was about a bullpen session for him. Now, of course, he pitched three innings on Friday, so it's not exactly what you want to have to do, but Coach Tadlock talked about it felt like that's what the game demanded at the moment, and so you went with it. So you give up a four spot in the first. Dylan Noisy works a leadoff walk, and he's knocked home by a Cal Conley double to right center field. So there's one run across. You have that three-run deficit until the fifth, and in the fifth inning, it's Dylan Carter It's Dylan Carter with a leadoff triple to right center field. The fielder just missed the ball, kind of dove afterwards. As my friend said, he fell down in shame. And Dylan Carter works that triple out and then hangs around. Cal Conley gets him home on a ground out to second base. So you close the gap again down to two runs this time. You roll on a little bit further. Rice gets a a run across in the seventh. They get another run across in the eighth. So all of a sudden, Tech is facing a six to two deficit and things are feeling pretty hopeless at the moment. It just doesn't feel like you're going to get the momentum. You're struggling on the mound. Doesn't seem like you're going to grab it on Sunday. Unbeknownst to fans, at least to me, and I think most until it was mentioned in some post-game things, both teams had agreed that no innings would begin after 3.15. The game was moved up a half an hour. You knew you were going to be in weather, but Rice had a flight to catch, so no innings would begin after 3.15. So you knew you had an expiration date on this game regardless of where you were in it. So Tech in the bottom of the eighth comes in and is looking to make something happen. Jace Young works a leadoff walk, and then you have a fly out, and then it's Drew Baker who is pinched in for Cody Masters a couple of innings before. Baker, who is frustrated on the weekend, he's one for 10 coming into this AB. He did not get the start on Sunday after going 0 for 5 on Saturday. So despite those nice defensive plays that I mentioned, Baker had just been struggling at the plate. You could see the frustration on him, especially at first base when the guy's trying to run through first. And it was just, uh, you you wanted him to get something, and he does. He hits a double, a one-out double to right field, and then right behind him, Max Marshock comes up. So he's got two men on, big situation. You're down four at home in the sweep opportunity on a Sunday against a D1 opponent, and Marshock Hits the bloop single over the top of the defense into center field, scoring two. So the two RBI single for Max Marshock closes it down to a 6-4 game. And then you think, okay, you got a couple back. There's an opportunity here in the ninth to make something happen. So Kurt Wilson strikes out the side, swinging, looking, looking. Great job by him. He's fired up out there. So credit to Kurt Wilson to get you to the bottom of the ninth with the opportunity to tie it up. And then you come in in the ninth. Cal Conley leads it off with a walk. Brian Klein, who I will fully admit to you, we were singing Amazing Grace to on the first base side. When the time calls for it, 
it works. And we, uh, we've gotten pretty good at sensing when the moment calls for it. We sing a little Amazing Grace. We got Eric Gutierrez's wife in on the deal this time. At the College World Series a couple years ago, we had the whole section behind home plate going for it, and he roped one down the right field line, which is what he did today as well. Brian Klein ropes a double down the right field line. So you end up with Conley on third, Brian Klein on second, Cole Stillwell works a walk, bases are juiced for Jace Young, who also works a walk, and that's an RBI. Red Raiders only trail by one. Then you pinch run Parker Kelly at second base for Cole Stillwell. Interesting move there to get Kelly in. Now what we didn't know, as I said, the game had an expiration date. So as you look closer and closer, Tadlock knows hey, I can run and hit whoever I want because we're trying to look for the W here, but at some point this game could end in a tie. So he's feeling a little bit like there's no tomorrow, and it's a very unique situation to be in in baseball to have that time limit, that ending that you don't normally have. So Nate Rombach comes in first out of the inning, but it's a sack fly to score Brian Klein, and you get the two across that you need in the ninth to force extra innings. You're not able to get what you need. Max Marshock puts a nice smack on a ball, but it's an atom ball right at the shortstop, a line drive that ends the inning, and you end up tied 6-6. You go to the 10th, Micah Dallas comes in for you on the mound. He gets a ground out, a fly out, a strike out. You go to the bottom of the 10th. It's three up, three down. You start to realize, hey, the 11th is going to be the last inning of baseball. You're not going to have time to start a 12th because of the 315 time limit. So in the 11th, Micah Dallas gets a ground out to first base, a strikeout. There is a single in there, but he gets the ground out for the third out, and you go to the 11th with the walk-off opportunity. And then Mr. Reliable, Brian Klein, comes up and works a leadoff walk. So Brian Klein's on first base, and then a pinch hitter steps up. Tim Tadlock looks down the dugout and tells TJ Rumfield, hey, you're up. So Rumfield, credit to him who sat not just all day, but all weekend, and is still mentally prepared to walk in the game and rope, rope a double down the left field line into the corner, and credit to Brian Klein for turning on the Jets and scoring from first base on a great hit by TJ Rumfield, who's on second, runs out into the outfield, and runs away from his teammates until they catch him and drag him down to celebrate. Here's what he had to say about that walk-off win. Oh, geez. I mean, I didn't even know I was going to hit that inning until um, Parker went out on deck, and then Tad looked at me and said, TJ, you're on deck. So I was just like, before that I was even locked in because I knew I had a chance to get out there and kind of warming up. It was like, okay, like, like he might get on, he might not, but no matter what, I got to have a good at bat. So Klein got on first, and then he, get, he had strike one, then ball one, and strike two. I was just like, there's no way, there's no way he's going to strike me out. So I was like, just trying to, I was, early in the bat, I was, at that, I was going to try to party out front, but then I just had to party out back and then kind of hit it down the line. I was told to say that, I'm sorry. <laughs> so I guess uh, after you got the hit, you were obviously running all the way to left center. Did you not want to get tackled, I guess? Or? Uh, I don't know. I just, I mean, I was just in the moment. I don't, they, they were telling me after, they were like, don't do that again. And I was just like... Will do, but I hit another walk-off. I won't run away from anybody. Hey, when's the last time you hit a walk-off, if ever? Uh, my last time I hit a walk-off was in Cooperstown when I was 12. So, But that was a home run, so it was a little bit cooler. 
<laughs> um, last time you talked to us, you talked about kind of the mental struggles you went through last year, you know, struggling to get into the lineup and, and end up redshirting. For that, with all that kind of behind you, what does it mean now for you to have a moment like this? I mean, treat it like a gift because it is. You don't know what tomorrow holds or or anything like that. So I just wanted to go out there and every time I get in that bat, I treat it like it's like it's a baby. Like that's my time to shine. I'm out there. I want to do good for my team. Um, is it a weird feeling being in a situation where you can't lose, but also you could possibly win, but you still need to treat it as if you're trying to win type of thing? Yeah, I mean. Obviously, we couldn't lose, but we didn't want to. We didn't want to tie, and nobody wants to tie. So, I mean, we just wanted to go out there and that last mm-hmm. inning, basically, we were going to score. If I wasn't going to do it, Drew Baker was going to do it. If Drew wasn't going to do it, the next guy was going to do it. So, um, there was never a doubt that we were going to win that game. It's just the matter of who was going to do it. TJ Rumfield. I want to know who told him to give a mullet analogy for how he was approaching that at bat. I'm sure that 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 just to me feels like it has Drew Baker written all over it. Somebody just messing with him. But if you're not familiar with TJ, redshirt freshman, he's out of Temple, Texas, 6'5", 225-pound guy, looks the part, big dude, big-bodied guy out there just battling, looking for opportunities. He's basically your backup first baseman right now and a guy that has some real opportunity to get in there and make some noise and just is battling and working and obviously has a great mentality congratulations to tj rumfield on a huge moment a big moment for texas tech a big chance to go up 16 and one on the season you know keep that 12 game winning streak alive and head out to mississippi state with some momentum So that's your weekend recap. It wasn't particularly pretty. It wasn't everything you could have ever hoped for. They're down 8-1 on Saturday. You battle back and win 19-12. That's great, but you wish you weren't down 8-1. On Sunday, you're down 4-1, and you battle back and win in the 11th with a walk-off. You win at 7-6, but you wish that you're not in that opportunity. You want to be just manhandling teams, especially a team that comes in with a 2-10 record to start the weekend. And I'll give them the credit. They hit well, and they're athletic, and they're a good team all in all. But just something that you would like to see the Red Raiders clean up because, honestly, there were some ugly errors this weekend. There were some mental miscues. Some of it had to do with weather on Sunday. But I've seen Cole Stilwell laid out with a toe on the bag more often than not, and that's not what you necessarily want to see. Digging a lot of balls out of the dirt, you know, just really – keeping some things in front of him as much as he can. And you appreciate that, that he's able to do that and he's battling out there and he deserves a lot of credit for it. But you want to see a little bit tighter play from your infield where they're struggling a little bit. Seen some outfielders struggle to come up with some balls. And some of that comes with, you know, how many freshmen and new guys you have playing and they're going to have to continue getting better. But I will say some of the play I saw against Rice is going to be a little bit more difficult on the road. Even though it's a neutral site, it's going to basically be a home game for Mississippi State, and it's going to be a big one. I mentioned Stillwell. I want to give him a shout-out. Don't exactly have an award for him, but I've talked about how you can make arguments for Cole Stillwell to be an early season MVP for you. He's 5-for-12 this weekend. That's batting 417. He had four ribbies, five runs scored, three doubles, and four walks on the weekend by my count. Really just strong performance by Stillwell. You're starting to feel more and more and more confidence in him when he steps up to the plate and you know really got some big clutch hits for you. 
I will go ahead and give some weekend awards. My pitcher of the series, Clayton Beater, by far six innings pitch, six hits, one run, not earned, no walks, and 12 strikeouts, combined with Micah Dallas for 17 Ks on Friday night. Really nice performance there. Cal Conley is going to be my hitter of the weekend. Six for 14, six ribbies, three runs scored, two doubles, a triple, and a walk. He batted a 429 this weekend. Conley is a nice, nice player. It's great to see him fired up out there and doing a good job, and he really has been doing a good job for Tech. And I think it's been fairly quiet and maybe going a little bit under the radar. But that Silent Red Raider award, I'm going to split it this week between Brian Klein and Jace Young. I know they both get big hits. They make nice plays. There's web gems in the book for them. But I don't know that you realize how good they are doing. Klein went four for 11 with two ribbies, seven runs scored, two doubles, five walks, and a sack fly. He batted 364 this weekend, but seven runs scored and five walks. You're finding your way on base. You are setting the table for some guys, even though Klein bats in the three-hole. Jace Young, who's been batting fifth, two for five this weekend. It sounds low because he worked eight walks on the weekend. So Jace Young, two for five, four ribbies, six runs scored, two doubles, Eight walks and a sack fly for him as well, batting 400 this weekend. Really impressed with the play of a lot of these guys. And I'm nitpicking, saying, you know, what needs to get better. And you see some some errors and you see some guys slipping with some balls and some of that's weather and some of it's not. But, you know, what you're nitpicking at a team that truly deserves to be top five in the country. They're basically number two right now. And, yeah, they've got some big opponents ahead, and there's going to be some losses ahead for the Red Raiders. But, man, things look really good right now where they sit at 16-1 and one this early in the season. Just a quick look at the season stats as they sit right now. Brian Klein, the only starter that's sitting at over 400. <laughs> It's just laughable. It's just ridiculous to say Brian Klein is batting a 419. Not ridiculous that Brian Klein's doing it, but my goodness. A 419 right now for Brian Klein. His on base percentage is a 519, and he's slugging a 629. He's got 20 runs scored, 26 hits, which is tied for the lead with Dylan Noisy. He's got your most doubles on your team at 10. That's Hunter Hargrove level numbers there for the Red Raiders. He's got one home run, 13 ribbies for you, and he has drawn. 14 walks, which is second only to Jace Young with 17. Klein has also only struck out nine times. You have three Red Raiders that have struck out nine times. That's, you know, obviously below double digits. And then Dylan Carter with only seven. Cal Conley batting a 397, good for second on the team. He's got 25 hits right up there near the pace. He's got a triple for you, three home runs for him. On base is a 466, but he's slugging a 683. And then I'll round it out with Dylan Noisy batting a 382. He's got 22 runs scored, and that's a lead on the team for you. 26 hits tied for the lead with Klein. Five doubles for him, one triple, one home run. He's got 12 ribbies. I neglected to mention Cal Conley near the top of the team with 23 RBI. Nate Rombach has 27, Conley with 23 for second on the team. So Noisy also with 12 walks drawn, one of several Red Raiders in double-digit walks at this point. In fact, most of the Red Raiders are. He has not been hit by a pitch, only 10 strikeouts for him. Really a great season so far. You've got five of your starters currently batting over 300. Dylan Carter very close at a 292. Jace Young very close as well at a 286. And guys that are battling up from there. There's other guys that just not seeing as many ABs that also have some nice numbers. Parker Kelly is one of them. Of course, TJ now with a big one as well. 
Well, let's look ahead and preview the two-game midweek series Tuesday-Wednesday with the Mississippi State Bulldogs, and we'll call this one done. The Red Raiders will be heading out to MGM Park in Biloxi, Mississippi. That is not where Mississippi State plays baseball. This is the home of the Biloxi Shuckers. That's the AA affiliate of the Milwaukee Brewers. So it'll be a neutral site game. So although you're playing a very quality opponent in Mississippi State, you are, however, not playing them at home, so not a true road game for Texas Tech. Coach Tadlock mentioned that in the post game, wishing it was a road game because he would like to get the credit for that from the ranking services and the RPI especially. The Bulldogs currently ranked number 18 as I record this by D1Baseball.com. They'll probably move up, maybe slightly. They did take care of business over the weekend, hosted Quinnipiac in a three-game stand, and they swept them 5-1-5-4-8-4. A little bit of a clip that came out of that one is a Quinnipiac catcher. He tried to frame one. It was inside. He tried to pull it back in. He was very frustrated. He didn't get the call. Kind of threw a tantrum at the plate. And as he headed out to the pitcher's mound, he said the magic words over his shoulder and he got tossed out of that one there at Duty Noble. So a little bit of fireworks there. And uh, got to give credit to the home plate umpire. It was a really big guy. Stood there like a statue and took it. And then the magic words came and he tossed him without a second thought. Texas Tech will not be playing there in one of the toughest places to play in college baseball. They'll be playing, as I said, at MGM Park in Biloxi. Mississippi State, maybe not their best season uh, so far early on. A couple of struggles for them, but generally done pretty well. They're 10-4 and four on the season, 9-2 at home, 1-2 away. They have not played a neutral site game until Tuesday against Texas Tech. They took down Wright State in the opening series with a sweep, three games. They had a weather-canceled game they would have played against Samford. They took two of three from Oregon State in Starkville, won 6-2-7-4 and lost 2-7. They lost a midweek game in one of those Tuesday wake-up calls to Texas Southern 8-4. Then they won on Wednesday against Alcorn State 8-4. They dropped two of three on the road to Long Beach State. The Dirtbags have been having a pretty nice bounce-back season themselves. Mississippi State fell 4 nothing on Friday. They won 9 nothing on Saturday and then fell 6-2 on Sunday. They were supposed to have a midweek last week against Southern Miss. That was also postponed for weather. And then, as I said, the win over Quinnipiac this weekend. Quinnipiac was a NCAA tournament team the last couple seasons, so... Not a bad sweep for them, although they do have that home field advantage. So they'll face the Red Raiders in a big matchup. you got to think one of the biggest matchups of the midweek, I would imagine. That will be on the Texas Tech Sports Network on the radio, and you can also find it on SEC Network Plus. So that's an ESPN network. You should be able to find it if you have ESPN Plus. Potentially on your cable package, depending on what you have available, you'll be able to watch that one. They'll face them. At 6 o'clock on Tuesday and at 5 o'clock on Wednesday, Texas Tech versus the Mississippi State Bulldogs. When you look at this team, they have definitely some strong pieces. They have four of their starters batting over 300 currently. They have, as a team so far, hit 11 home runs. They have two triples on the season, 20 doubles. So that's obviously a a combination there of 33 extra base hits, 68 ribbies on the season. Their RBI leaders, Justin Foscue with 15. He also has a couple of home runs for him and near the pace on hits with 16 for Mississippi state. 
they're not a really big power hitting team. They have struggled a little bit against more quality opponents. And I'm not exactly sure who you'll see start for them on the mound because they've only really had a couple of midweek games. You have seen starts for them in the midweek by Casey Hunt, but it was really David Dunlavy who got the majority of the work in that one. And you saw a start from Houston Harding and he went four in that one. So when you look down that pitching line and try to see who's had starts and really Carlisle Kessler, Houston Harding. Those are probably two pretty good candidates for who will get a start. Casey Hunt's a potential, but an unlikely in my opinion. And then a big loss for Mississippi State and JT Ginn. He gave the Red Raiders fits in Frisco last year, a really talented young player, a sophomore this season. He went down and had season ending surgery. Certainly wish him the best. Didn't want to face him again. He's an exceptional pitcher, but a guy that you hope all the best for because he's a great player in college baseball. Just hard to know what you'll see from a team in a midweek, and then they'll be turning around and have a, their SEC opening series this weekend against Arkansas. So they can't throw everything in the kitchen sink at the Red Raiders and vice versa as both teams will be opening their conference slate against a conference opponent the following weekend. They'll have Arkansas. The Red Raiders will be playing host to West Virginia. So to tie a bow on it for you folks, look for a big one here on Tuesday, Wednesday against Mississippi State on the road, MGM Park in Biloxi, Mississippi, 6 o'clock Tuesday, 5 o'clock Wednesday on the SEC Plus Network, both games. Also send a congratulations to old number six, Tim Tadlock, via Twitter with his 300th victory as Texas Tech's head coach on Saturday night. Red Raiders get the sweep over the Rice Owls Friday, Saturday, Sunday, couple of come-from-behind wins Sunday, walking it off in extras is T.J. Rumfield. It was a fun weekend of baseball. There's plenty of more baseball to come and lots more to learn about this team, lots more of growing for them to do, and it should be a lot of fun to watch and be a part of. I'll look for you around the ballpark. Red Raiders will be hosting West Virginia next weekend in a three-game stand as they open Big 12 Conference play. Hope you have a great one, folks. Enjoy your week. Look for some great baseball Tuesday and Wednesday. We'll talk to you soon, and until then, wreck them. Thanks for tuning in to Dinger Derby and sharing our love for Texas Tech Red Raider baseball. You can connect with Keith on Twitter at Dinger underscore Derby and find more Texas Tech sports content at stakingtheplains.com. Help us out by rating us and leaving a review on iTunes. And remember to tell your friends about the show. Keith will be back next week with another episode of Dinger Derby. And until then, wreck of tech. Keep your hand on your gun. Don't you trust anyone. There's just one kind of man that you can trust. That's a dead man or a gringo like me. Be the first one to fire. Every man is a liar. There's just one kind of man who tells the truth. That's a dead man or a gringo like me.